Dr. Edward Smink has over 40 years of experience in healthcare as a nurse, crisis and pastoral counselor, executive leader, facilitator of mission, ethics, value, and leadership formation, and community health. Dr. Smink likes to claim that along with his academic credentials, he's learned most from his experience through colleagues who care for others and from those who need his services. Dr. Smink's lifelong focus on coaching includes an emphasis on the development of strengths and the integration of values in personal and professional practice. He is passionate about the universal values and archetypes that unite humankind and with his background in mythological studies, enjoys discovering the unique personal stories of each client that contribute to successful outcomes. And he's written a crucial book on caregiving called The Soul of Caregiving, A Caregiver's Guide to Healing and Transformation. Dr. Smink, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. And it's a pleasure to be here and to talk with you about my book. Well, I really enjoyed the book. I, I did read it cover to cover, and uh, it, it it puts in clear, concise concepts so much of what I already believe about caregiving, starting with the title and your definition of caregivers. So can you talk about both? Yes. In my review, it just became clear what did I want to say, and it had to do with soul. And what is soul? It's just very simple that it has to do with that life principle within us. We may call it conscience. We may call it the angel sitting on our right shoulder. But it's something interior that helps us make uh, crucial decisions. And so I wanted to get to the bottom of understanding caregiving and understanding the fact that most of us are caregivers. It's not just something that's related to the professional fields. In fact, one of the reviewers talks about caregiving is an essential archetype of human life. And she says, none of us would be alive if no one cared for us as a child. And life without mutual giving is joyless. And so caregiving embraces a whole bunch of characters, those in the healing arts, healthcare professionals, physicians, nurses, therapists. We could think of chaplains and coaches and spiritual leaders, pastors, wellness coaches. We can think of firefighters. Often we don't realize how much they care for us and for our safety. Also, police and safety officers and emergency medical personnel. And I'm, I often think of the military. You know, they care about us. They care about our safety. And also, what about parents who care for their chronically ill children? Or what about adult children who care for their aging parents? So caregiving is a broad perspective, and that's what I wanted to highlight in this book, The Soul of Caregiving. Tell me why family caregivers and those who care for us need to have this book. Most caregivers, you know, I've been around quite a few, they find it very difficult to ask for help. Especially families, they think it's an obligation and they think uh, I have to do everything. In fact, I had a client who said, my husband wants to help me, but I don't know how to ask him. It was quite interesting because here's someone that's willing to help in the care of her father, but she's not comfortable to ask. You know, so 
That, that's very common. And it's part of our culture. And we have to do everything ourselves. And yet part of our culture is also to work as a team and to get the help. So I, I, I found that interesting. So caregivers have to learn how to set boundaries. They have to learn about their own self-care and not feel guilty. In fact, I had another client who said, am I being selfish if I take care of myself, if I go out and, and get a, a massage or get my nails done or, or take a day off? Why am I feeling guilty? <laughs> uh, so it's all those challenges often prevent a caregiver to just say stop. And I believe most caregivers know when they're reaching their boiling point, but they don't know what to do when that happens. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I always think that the things that we don't deserve as caregivers are top in our mind, uh, guilt, shame, fear, embarrassment. You talk about guilt. Can you talk about what caregivers might be able to do to get rid of this guilt? Well, the most important thing is to recognize the feeling and to be able to talk to someone, not to get advice, but to talk to someone that will listen to what the person is saying. Oftentimes, when a person is talking, we interrupt, and the caregiver needs to know that their story is being heard. Once, there's, once they know it's being heard, then they can articulate more solutions, which Eric Gentry calls compassion resilience learning how to articulate the story and then be able to seek different alternatives and how to change it. And it, it's not like overnight. It's something that happens one little step at a time. In counseling, they call it chunking, which means if I need to clean my bedroom and I get overwhelmed by it, well, maybe I'll clean the bureau today. And so I took a piece out of that and I was able to say, wow, I cleaned the bureau. Maybe the next day, well, I'm going to wax the floor or mop the floor. Oh, okay. You see how it's done incrementally? Well, it's the same thing with guilt and acknowledging, where does the tape come from? I was talking with a client the other day, and this particular person said, you know, I have these particular fears and guilt and something, and I knew that this person had a lot of difficulties growing up. And I said, well, they seem to be old tapes. And he said, oh, I never looked at that. They're old tapes. Oh, okay. So I could change the tape. So that's another example. But what's important is acknowledging it's okay to feel guilty. That's what I'm feeling and not being embarrassed by it. And then to be able to share that with someone that will listen to that. And then the next step is to be able to say, how could I chunk it in order to start finding ways to recognize there's no need to feel guilty or selfish because of my own needs? Well, that leads right into one of my favorite subjects and, and uh, something that you cover in the book. It's the importance of self-care for caregivers. Can, can we talk about that a little bit? Oh, we can. And self-care is wide as the spectrum can be. So it could be Something as simple to say, I need my siblings or I need my children to help me with this particular issue. And so can you come over one day and 
and watch your father while I go to the beauty parlor? Oh, you mean I can go to the beauty parlor? Oh, yeah, you can. (laughs) Or look for respite care. You know that there's organizations that will help. And so self-care can be defined in a thousand different ways. But it simply means that I need to take care of my own needs. If this is getting too much for me, I need to find out ways in which I can seek help. There's a difference between care giving and care taking. You could hear the difference. Care giving, you're in touch with your soul. You're in touch with the joy of caregiving. When you lose that because of fatigue or or trying to do it all by yourself, you get into the role of task and just caretaking, and that builds into resentment and anger and, you know, wishing that I've heard a client say, you know, I'm getting to the point I wish this person was dead because they're so frustrated in the interchange. So I had a counselor once tell me when I was having burnout myself, and he said, I want to do what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. And he said, the Holy Spirit wants you to do what's the easiest thing. Now, just think of that. <laughs> you know, what is when you get overwhelmed, what's the easiest thing to do? And I have used that consistently for the last 20 years. And to realize when I get to that point, what's the easiest thing for me to do? Is it to take a nap? Is it to call a relative or a friend? Is it to take a walk? Is it to take a few days off? All of those things can happen when a person realizes that they're valuable enough to take care of themselves. So you hear that? They're valuable enough to take care of themselves. And they're not God. They do sacred and godly work, but they're not God. They have boundaries. They have limits. And and to recognize that, which is so hard in our culture, that we can be vulnerable. We can acknowledge that I can't do it all myself. And I've often said in, in, in working with, with orientation that we, with employees, that aren't we glad we're not perfect? And then I often say, don't we hate those who think they are? <laughs> so part of our humanity is recognizing we have boundaries. And part of our humanity is recognizing that caring for ourselves is an important factor. In the Hebrew scriptures, you know, love one another as I have loved you or love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, that's a big one, isn't it? Loving yourself. Well, self-care is all part of that. And we always say that caring for yourself is job one as a caregiver because if you're not on solid ground of self-care, how can you expect to take on the role of caring for a loved one? You detail what I like to think of as somewhat of a life cycle in caregiving through the 10 chapters in the book. Can you briefly talk about your first chapter, which is entitled The Dance of Caregiving? Yes. I think that's the, if you ask what is the main issue of a caregiver, it's the dance. It's the dance of self-care. It's the dance to recognize that they have to pause and reflect. It's not something that needs to be done as for a caregiver. If a caregiver is taking care of a loved one, they may have wonderful experiences and feel joy and happiness in that, and they reflect on that. 
but they may not reflect on those parts of their psyche that are working. And, you know, healthcare professionals don't like to stop. They say, it's my job. You know, I'm just doing my job. And, you know, what do you expect? And I don't have time to reflect. A paramedic may be called to the next situation or a parent taking care of a chronically ill child, it might be called to the next crisis with that child. And so that's the dance. The dance is, okay, how do I learn to integrate, I use the term reflection, as a skill into the part of their care? So, you know, if a mother is holding a newborn baby, she's reflecting on that. Or we see, you know, after 9-11, we see the firefighters holding people they've rescued. You know, there's a wonderful bond that's created in that. Okay, the firefighter goes home and has that moment of joy, but then is confronted with the tragedy, the traumatic event. And the traumatic event has an effect on him or the death of a child has an effect on the parent who's caring for them, or the adult child who's taking care of a parent going through the grieving process. You know, all of that stirs up issues within themselves. And the reason I use the dance is because most caregivers, from my experience, don't want to go and listen to what's happening in their soul. It could be risky. They could be considered weak. I had a doctor once tell me if I shared with my group of physicians that I work with that some of these situations are extremely difficult, they would think I was incompetent. Can you hear that? They would think I was not a good doctor. So the very human, the very human need to share the fact I was with a, a, a dying child and I worked with that with the parents and as the child was dying, that's a very traumatic event. And how does he debrief from that? We unfortunately take ourselves out of the circle of care, which makes it harder for us to care for others. And, and that's one thing I like that you detail in the book, how we can avoid doing that and pay attention and, and be mindful about what's going on in ourselves and only makes us a better caregiver for our loved ones. I can't agree with you more, and that's my whole premise. When you're in touch with your soul, you can deal with the issues that come up. We're more than the issues, and sometimes when we're confronted or we get so overwhelmed, we forget that we're more, we can hold those issues and be able to cope with them. Dr. Smink, what is the one most important piece of information that you'd like to share with family caregivers? I want to let them know that they're not alone, that they're not alone with the aches and pains that they have or that they have given because they have cared so much. I want to say that these experiences are invitations to rediscover your soul and that you're not alone and you are not going mad when your soul aches because you have cared.